2: Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing: NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the final inspection show presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host. Steve
3: Zockey. And welcome to the final inspection show. I'm Steve Zaki along with Mayor Mitch in studio today. And uh I'd like to thank Great Lakes Dragway for supporting the show all year, and yes, they are open today. They are. They were closed uh, last night because they're cold, but they are going to be open. It's it's it it's looks going nice. to be a balmy. It looks Forty nice. degrees today. Ah, uh, it's even warmer than that. Is it? Yeah. Wow. So, I would guess forty three is the high. But no, it's, with the with the sunshine out, it's it's it looks nice, and there's no wind, so you got that going for you. But they will be making runs today at Great Lakes Dragway, so if you get a chance, get out to Great Lakes Dragway. And perhaps if you're on the north side of Milwaukee, maybe stop at David Hobbs Honda, sixty-one hundred North Green Bay Avenue, and uh, take a look at their wide selection of new and used vehicles at David Hobbs Honda. You can check them out at davidhobbs.com, and you can also check out Great Lakes Dragway, greatlakesdragway.com, and also on their Facebook page at Great Lakes Dragway. So good stuff there, and that's where you can get your most up-to-date information as we're getting to the you know close to the end of the season at Great Lakes Dragway. Always make sure you check them out. Make sure if they are open or closed on any particular day. So, Mitch, quite the exciting week in motorsports. The, probably, probably the biggest story in the last uh, 20 years, if not longer, and that is, of course, the, 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 the surprising news. And there's so many different layers of this story. And that is uh, Roger Penske, or I should say Penske Corporation, purchasing uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway along with the NTT IndyCar Series and uh, IMS Productions out of Indianapolis. And it's, it's, it's a big story on so many levels because, well, let's face it, Indianapolis Motor Speedway is, is it's the capital of racing. Of course, people in Daytona like to say that. Uh, I'm sure the people in Charlotte would like to say something. And there's a uh, certain our Italian friends in Italy would have something to say about that, too. But uh, Indianapolis, uh, if you've been there, there's a lot of stuff going on. Indianapolis Motor Speedway, of course, hosts the Indianapolis 500, which is the world's largest single day sporting event, which has seen people which have seen fans uh, probably. I would say two hundred seventy-five thousand, maybe pushing three hundred thousand. Greatest
2: spectacle in sports.
3: Yeah, and at one time even pushing four hundred. Uh, with, with the reconfigure, they've actually taken some bleachers out and some seating. they made it uh, more fan friendly, but it's taken some seating away, or you know, where people can mill about inside the infield. So, but it's still huge, huge, huge. It's that's. The population of basically Milwaukee going to a thirty-acre, forty-acre uh, facility. So, uh, pretty, pretty huge news, and we're gonna talk about that. We got a lot of people coming on today, and uh, let's see here, who do we have? We're gonna be talking with, uh, of course, we're gonna Jeff Firloski, the Polish bomb is gonna be joining us. We're gonna chat with him coming up next. We're gonna have Timothy Frost. He's been on the show before. He's president of uh, Frost Motorsports, and he's a. Uh, I, I like having him on because he's an economic and financial motorsports analyst. He actually loves he loves the business end of motorsports. He also with uh, Dennis Michelson hosts the annual racetrack business conference, which is held before the PRI Performance uh, Racing Industry Show down in Indianapolis in December. He'll be on. I'm also gonna have Tom Beeler on, an old friend of mine. Uh, We used to work together at Racing Information Services, the RIS, which uh, came out of the old CompuServe network. For you uh, uh, geeks that remember the old CompuServe network and Prodigy and all those, Uh, this was the first online racing service, which I had uh, the the pleasure to work with in the mid-90s. And uh, we're going to talk with him. We're actually going to talk with uh, David Hobbs, too, Formula One analyst, of course, friend of the show. And once again, we're going to have George Phillips on from uh, oilpressure.com. Excellent uh, blog and website there. We're going to talk to him. And then also, of course, Dennis Michelson. We'll chat with him later in the show and then also talk about the latest in NASCAR. And then we're going to close out the show with Eddie Lapine of racingnation.com. Get some uh, insight from him and also race predictions for the weekend. So we got a full show today, Mitch. And then after the show, uh, we got college football, don't we?
2: Yeah, LSU and Alabama coming up right here on the fan. Uh, starting at two o'clock, you can hear the pregame show. Game kicks off at two thirty. Um, number one against number two, Steve. Uh, big one right here on the fan today.
3: Huge. And as
2: my friend, some are calling it the game of the century.
3: Uh, I don't know about that, but it's a, it's a huge, huge game because uh, we're going to see how exactly uh, can Coach
2: O finally beat Alabama.
3: Right, and and you know, as as my friend likes to say. You know, NASCAR is the biggest sport of the, of the South. And I go, what about college football? He goes, that's their religion. So it is, you know, I mean, it's SEC football is huge.
2: They've been showing, they were panning on game day this morning, panning over like tailgates. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, they must rent out these tents that are just, it's just for miles. It looks like it's people. and, And you know, obviously the weather down there is probably perfect right now. Probably about 65 degrees. And nice how, trees are a little starting to turn color a little bit.
3: You know, we we have uh, green and gold Mondays here at the fan and we talk packers a lot, and even in the off season, there's a lot of talk about packers and whether we'll draft and off season moves and all that. There there are stations down south. There are just all they talk about is SEC football yeah. year round. Yeah. It's huge. And I, I think there's a portion of this audience might not understand how big Yeah. SEC football is down there.
2: I think it's one of those things where if you were to end up in Florida or Alabama or Georgia, you know, living in one of those states coming from the north where, you know, we like our football. Right. I think it's it becomes ingrained in you when you when you live down there. Well, you and you starts- really you start and then you follow it if you move back or move around the country. It's just like it's almost a party view if you're, if you're a sports fan, you probably might like a team or something, you know, if you move to Florida, you might like Florida. I don't know why but
3: <laughs> well and you travel down south uh you know especially if you drive it, it's interesting i had this uh, opportunity a couple of years ago you know drove down to florida with my wife and as we as you go further south the high school football stadiums get bigger and bigger yep. and i remember getting you know into georgia and i told susan i said you know look over to the right take a look and she, she goes, wow, that's big. I said, Susan, that's a high school football stadium. She was shocked. It's like, what? It's yeah, that's what, how big high school football is. What do is you down think to...
2: that place would seat? It, you know, the one that you're picturing in your head. I mean, thirty thousand for a high school game.
3: Uh, no, I'm thinking it was probably. Well, there are some. I mean, if you look at where the Packers played, was last it as week big as the Charger uh, so, yeah, Stadium? Yeah, a little about bit smaller. That? Okay, but maybe not about as much size? infrastructure around it. But for seating, yeah, we. Pretty darn close. Wow! So about you know, thirty thousand. You know, I mean, twenty-five it's, thirty. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, just how big football is down south. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, so yeah, make sure you tune in to LSU Alabama football after the show today. And like I said, we we got a lot of stuff going on in the show for the next two hours. Uh, actually, dominating the show is going to be uh, the Roger Penske purchase of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar series, I want to get some different views on that, including like David Hobbs, who's been on the show, but he also worked for Roger Penske and drove was a driver for Penske back in the day. So looking forward to that in the second hour, and uh, we'll talk to Jeff Orlowski, the Polish bite bomb, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway and Union, in Union Grove, and along with David Hobbs Honda. And uh, some fantasy football news. Of course, Brian Hoyer is going to start for the Colts tomorrow instead of Jacoby Brissett. Make sure you listen to uh, Bill Schmidt and uh, Tim Allen tomorrow Tim Allen. morning.
2: I think, I think Tim's back.
3: Yeah, tomorrow, and if you all your fantasy news, but if you want to make an update now in case you forget, you know, I have... Too much to drink something tonight. You might forget, you know, a lot of stuff going on, watching football games, college football games, whatnot. Update your fantasy football roster now. But, yeah, Jacoby Brissett out for the coats tomorrow. Hey, joining us on, a guy who's not out but is on, ready to go here, it's Jeff Orlowski joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Welcome to the show, Jeff Orlowski.
4: Thank you, Steve. How's it going?
3: Uh, fantastic! A lot of stuff going on in the world of motorsports. Uh, you know, usually at the end of the you know end of the year here, it's usually just some NASCAR. They're in Phoenix this weekend. We had Texas last week. You know, we were are trying to cobble up and you know enough for a two-hour show. But I we we're, we're we're busting at the seams today. There's so much going on in the world of motorsports. Even last night we had a truck race at ISM uh, Raceway in uh, Phoenix. And uh, who won that race?
4: Well, that was good old Stuart Friesen. Uh, he got busted for jumping the start right at the beginning, had to drop to the back, had some contact. I think it was during the second stage as well. Uh, got some light damage to his car. You know, he just passed so many cars yesterday. And uh, they had a, uh, the coverage they interviewed his crew chief and it was really interesting because the crew chief, you know, they're like, Oh, are you still talking to NASCAR about it? He's like, it is what it is. We're here to run our race. We just got to rebound and, and get back up to the front. And that's exactly what they did. It was a great attitude to have, uh, stuff happens. And, uh, sometimes the calls don't go your way. And that was one that should have gone Friesen's way. Uh, Hill was real slow at the start and, uh, Because Friesen got to the start finish before he did, it was jumping the start, and he had to go to the back. But uh, you know, it uh, that was a good race. That was a good race.
3: Yeah, I mean, and you know, Phoenix has been reconfigured. Are you still used to uh, seeing the start finish line where it's at?
4: No, not yet. But I'll get there probably in about five years, or just in time for them to reconfigure it again. So.
3: You know how it goes. Yeah, certainly is. Of course, Brandon Jones finishing uh, second, Chandler Smith, Ben Rhodes, and Grant Infinger, and uh, you know, it. it Johnny Sauter uh, came across eighth, and uh, certainly kind of a disappointing end of the season for Johnny Sauter, Wisconsin uh, favorite.
4: Yeah, it was, and uh, you know, kind of the the wave of emotions between Sauter and between Matt Crafton, who snuck in. Uh, to get the, the last spot for Homestead. Uh, yeah, you know, I definitely feel bad for Soder, and uh, hopefully next year he can get right back to uh, to the finale in Miami.
3: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, it's with, with uh, the Cup Series and uh, the Xfinity Series also racing in there, uh, wh- what's kind of grabbed your attention so far this weekend?
4: Uh, just how the final two spots are going to shake out in the Cup Series. You know, I I don't really care much about Xfinity, so that doesn't really move the needle. <laughs> but uh, you know, the uh, who's going to grab the final two and join Truex and Harvick in the final, uh, racing for a championship. You know, there's the the bottom four. You know, Kyle Bush could miss it, and that would be uh, that would be a big change from uh, from many years uh, that we've grown accustomed to Kyle Busch, always making the race for the championship, same with Jimmy Johnson. And if uh, neither one is there for uh, the finale at Homestead, that's going to open up a lot of doors uh, and take, you know, to... Kyle Busch is usually competitive, but uh, Jimmy Johnson hasn't been this year. But uh, it definitely shakes things up.
3: Yeah, especially, you know, when, when you look at practice, you know, final practice, B.J., Chase Elliott Ryan Ryan Blaney are two quick you're, you're two quickest, and those are uh, certainly two guys that could certainly, sh- uh, you know, shake things up.
4: Oh, absolutely, and, uh, you know, Chase Elliott was near the top at on all of them uh, from top overall speed, 5-lap, 10-lap, 15-lap averages, so Chase has got himself one heck of a good car, and, uh, you know, it should be exciting. There, you know, there's going to just be... 100 different storylines going on during that race, and uh, I can't wait.
3: And, of course, our favorite, uh, Mr., Uh, you know, it would be great to see him get in to shake things up. That would be Kyle Larson. Uh, What hope do you have for him?
4: Not much, but, uh, you know, he's one of those ones, and and they mentioned it last week during the race at Texas, you know, when you start kind of playing games to – uh, eliminate Kyle Larson from Miami just because of how strong he is down there every single year. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you kind of see that uh, maybe take place sometime uh, during the race. But uh, but we'll see. Obviously, the only people that could really do that would be Truex or Harvick, people that are locked into the finale.
3: Yeah, certainly is. Talking with Jeff Verlosky on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And Chris, talk about the the blue green vacations 500 at ism uh raceway race time uh locally is 130 which is uh a little bit earlier it's usually later in the in, in the day isn't it jeff
4: yeah usually uh the 130 kind of you know it's it's a weird time to uh to throw the green flag but uh you know they've had some strange start times this year so it doesn't surprise me
3: yeah. And of course, uh, last year was Kyle Busch actually won the race. So are we maybe being a little premature, right? now, not, I'm not saying we're writing him off, but he certainly isn't, uh, in the strongest of positions so far this year.
4: No, he's not. But you know, again, he was one of those, uh, on top of all the, uh, the practice speed, uh, top of the charts, you know, he was top five and overall five lap, 10 laps. So You know, he's got himself one heck of a race car as well. So I definitely don't count Kyle out. But, you know, this is the year where, you know, there hasn't been too many um, uh, mechanical issues the the last few years in NASCAR, and we've seen them uh, rear their ugly head these last few weeks. So it's definitely possible that at least one or two of the final eight could sit there and have something wrong and have their day go uh, completely upside down.
3: I'll be wearing my ABL t-shirt uh, tomorrow. That's my anybody but Logano t-shirt. And, uh <laughs> you know, he's fourth now. And, I, I mean, what's interesting, we could definitely see a situation where he could fall out of that fourth spot, can't we?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's not safe. And, you know, uh, besides besides uh, Truex and Harvick, you know, everybody had a nervous night last night. So... You know, depending on what shakes out, you know, we could get a surprise or two into the finale. That's what makes it. That's what makes this exciting. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the playoff format, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this uh, this gives a little bite to it.
3: It certainly does. I mean, uh, yeah, we, you know, we we certainly have voiced our displeasure over it last, you know, over the last years. But there comes a point where, okay, well, it's here. We have to deal with it. And um, if, if they want to, if this is how they want to do it, that's fine. You know, as I think we said, we mentioned last week how, you know, in the past it was, you know, the steadiest and a, a real deserving driver has won it, but, and now it's, it's become more, and this is what they want. It's more like the NCA tournament, you know, the tournament of 64, uh, where, where you kind of, uh, you know, it's the hottest, hottest drivers in going to win this thing, isn't it?
4: Oh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, who's got the momentum and, you know, you can't, uh, if you're looking at who's got the momentum now, it's hard not to say it's Kevin Harvick winning last week. He goes to one of the strongest tracks for him on the circuit. Um, so, you know, would I be surprised if he wins two races in a row? No. And, uh, so it, it seems like it all is lining up for the four car, but, uh, you know, between Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, there's a bunch of guys that, uh, in the final, uh, six that haven't clinched their spots that are, you know, have good equipment for tomorrow. So it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Edge of your seat kind of stuff.
3: I do want to just touch base on the Xfinity series, how Christopher Bell has been just so dominant and for him to win last week and that, you know, I mean, he could sweep the, the, the end of the season, can he?
4: Oh, absolutely. You know, he's got great equipment. He's got tons of talent. Uh, you know, the, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he sweeps the end of the season.
3: I, I do want to kind of look forward, look towards next year, though, with him in that 95 car. And they'll probably be, I'm thinking they're going to get a little more support from uh, Joe Gibbs Racing on that side. How How tough could that 95 car be next year?
4: Uh, it's tough to say. You know, you've got uh, you got a rookie making a big jump. You know, the the cars are so much different between the Xfinity series and between uh, uh, the Cup series that it, you know it's a huge jump in uh, with the you know kind of equipment that they're driving. The cars are completely different. So I would like to say that I see him winning at least one race, but I don't. So I think you know there'll be five or ten tracks where you know he'll get a good finish and be competitive, but uh, he you know he, he's got all the talent in the world, but it's a steep, steep learning curve.
3: I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say at least one, if not two, races next year, uh, for two reasons, because in the past it might have been a situation where they have taken uh, guys maybe a, little, a year or too early and pushed them through. Uh, this is a case where this guy has been—you can kind of figuratively call him on the bench, uh, kind of waiting to see—and kind of like a Aaron Rodgers situation where the guy had the talent but was on the bench because of somebody else. That's the, definitely the case with Christopher Bell, and I think with the equipment he's going to have, it, it's going to be an up-upgraded. I don't think it's going to be as good as the 78, but I think it's going to be kind of probably somewhere in between. Where the 95 is now and what the 78 was when that team was when furniture row was still around. And I think it's going to be, uh, I think he's going to surprise. He's going to, it's going to be as a, as a rookie can be, he's going to have some really bad weekends, but, uh, I think when he's, when everything is clicking, he's going to look awfully, awfully good.
4: Yeah. You know, it's definitely not going out on a limb. Like I said, he's got all the talent in the world. He's in decent equipment, So, you know, would it it shock me if he finds victory lane? Not at all.
3: Yeah, and uh, bad news, though, for ratings uh, last year or last week for Texas. Uh, The NASCAR uh, Cup Series playoff race from Texas averaged a 1.4 rating and uh, 2.2 million viewers on NBCSN, marking the smallest audience in the 15-year history of the race. Excluding rainouts, and part of that is because it is it was moved over to cable. I'm still surprised though that it's not on NBC uh, when, especially when I switch over there and they have some pay per view on there. You tell some guy selling knives or something. Why NBC doesn't have that on against football is kind of kind of scratch my head over that.
4: Yeah, me too. Me too. They uh, they've been hiding these races on these uh, weird channels and. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. I think that uh, the NASCAR base is, you know, still strong, and uh, you got the diehard, so they need to uh, reach out and grab some crossover people, but uh, they're doing a good job.
3: Talking with Jeff Orlowski and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Yeah, I kind of scratched my head over that because I, I could see if you're doing some Olympic pre-trials or, or something's on there. You know, that they want to showcase, or I don't know, even cricket or something that they're trying to push. But when, when you just have pay per views and you don't really have anything going on there, why not have it on NBC? It's just kind of a head yeah, scratcher. I uh, agree with you more. Give me give me your predictions uh, for the Xfinity series today and the Cup Series tomorrow.
4: Uh, Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick. All right. Uh, not, uh, not going out on a limb this week here.
3: Okay, very good. All right. Uh we certainly appreciate you uh coming on the show and uh enjoy the rest of your weekend Jeff. How about for the Packers? I missed your Packer prediction.
4: Uh they're going to win uh like 27-17. So, um uh, you know, they just got to shut down Christian McCaffrey and uh all should be well.
3: All right, sounds good, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. See ya. Jeff Verlosky joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline.
2: Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local, common-sense lending to your community since 1935.
3: Coming up next, we're going to talk Timothy, Ra- uh, Timothy Frost. We're going to uh, get into the financials of this uh, Roger Penske Indianapolis Motor Speedway deal coming up next on The Final Inspection Show.
2: This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan.
3: And welcome back to the Final Inspection show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Along with David Absana. Joining us on the great Midwest Bank Hotline it is timothy frost timothy frost of course of frost motorsports is an economic and financial consultant with over 20 years of experience in the sports and entertainment industry he is my go-to guy for anything uh, anything that big happens in the in the business world of motorsports timothy welcome to the uh final inspection show
4: good afternoon to all your uh, listeners I
3: uh, appreciate you taking time out and joining us and uh is, is this the biggest story you can think of uh, when it comes to the business side of uh, auto racing?
0: I think it goes and ranks right up there uh, for several reasons. Uh, one of it, most importantly, is the iconic nature of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's a long history in Circle City there. It's tutelage and ownership and vision by the Holman George family. Um, you know, those are just one of the many reasons why this uh, recent transaction with uh, Penske Entertainment Corporation and Roger Penske uh, puts this at uh, near the top of the list.
3: And it certainly makes a sense. I mean, if you're Tony George, and you're and you're looking to get out of the business, and you understand that, you know, it, it it's a decision that's going to be you know, given with a little bit of a crooked brow, like, why, you know, how can you do this? So you maybe want to, you're, you're probably thinking about the legacy point of it. And is there a better choice you can make than Roger Penske at this point?
0: No, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that we have to, there's a lot of factors involved with the decision they made, but one of them is we're, we're dealing with, uh, with a family uh, company. We're dealing mm-hmm. with, uh, a legacy that's there, and uh, through all family businesses, there's going to be some natural turnover where they no longer uh, want to remain in the business or they decide to uh, maybe have to go sell out and use their proceeds for other areas. So this is not uncommon uh, within that type of of business. Um, The other thing that is important to know is, you know, we had... um, You know, uh, the matriarch of the family, Marie Holman George, passed away about a year ago from that. So uh, with her, then it leaves the beneficiaries, the heirs, the descendants of her, uh, her estate then have to decide what to go through and do. And there can be many things involved. One may be involved with taxes. We just we never know that there could be taxes involved with having to go and cover her estate. Uh, typically the, there might be some uh, with with uh, this transaction that's in there. but again, um, really the choosing of this, they brought in uh, one of the legendary sports investment bankers, Allen and company represented uh, the the Holman uh, George family in this transaction. They had longtime legal advisors. Uh, for Indianapolis-based headquartered firm Ice Miller, who have long been the, the counsel for IndyCar and the Holman-George family. So they are well aware of, you know, how to handle transactions, what trust planning documents had to go through um, and do. And then on the other side of the equation, you know, by them going in and approaching and ultimately selecting, um, you know, Roger Penske, Roger's history with the Speedway we know is long and iconic. Um, along with his success as a businessman being on the Ford 400, um, along with the fact of his history, um, you know, just in motorsports. And I think all those involved really made this uh, transaction almost seem natural. But in addition, it probably made the negotiation and the ability to actually consummate the transaction – much much easier and mm-hmm. stuff like that that is something that uh, may not uh, come to thought for most people as they look at this uh, um, uh, business deal.
3: yeah and, and there's two things going for for this transaction I mean for for this marriage of, if you want to call it a business is 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 he knows the sport he knows the, the business what they're getting what he's getting into. And he also has the means to purchase it, and the, of course, now this is a price like the Holman Company is a private corporation, but the, the price range that's been kind of kicked around has been anywhere from six hundred million to two billion, and something that Roger Penske could could purchase. It's interesting that, um, he was I think it was Robin Miller somebody had asked him. You know, could you have done this? Why would you have done this 20 years ago if you if 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 you could have done it? He says, I at that time I did not have the means to do it. So with his acquisitions over the the last 20 25 years of, of companies like Detroit Diesel and and other companies, he's uh, you know he's built this uh, corporation bigger and bigger and bigger. Probably has doubled or tripled in size over the last 20. Twenty-five years. Now he's got the means. Uh, what do do you have an estimate of what uh, kind of a? Uh, I think they paid X amount. Do you have
0: a? Yeah, I. You know, I again is we're dealing with two two private nature companies. Um, a couple of things in regards to uh, Roger Pensky. Um. First of all, you know Penske's largest holding is in Penske Corporation, mm-hmm. which goes and own, which it in itself is a privately owned corporation has interest in uh, several businesses. One of those businesses that it does go and have an ownership stake in is Penske Automotive Group, which represents uh, all of Rogers dealers and everything else like that. Penske Corporation, thus being, you know, Penske family, if we want to use that as synonymous, is the largest shareholder within Penske Auto Group, and Penske Auto Group is a publicly traded company, um, so there is liquidity for that. In regards to all of, you know, Penske's uh, other businesses that uh, that go and uh, include in there, which would include uh, Penske Truck Leasing. Uh, everything else like that. Um, I think his the real growth in his business and what he's doing has probably been on the dealership side of things uh, under Penske Auto Group. That being um, for that. Now the other part, which you know has been mentioned before, is you know Roger does have a history in motorsports. Obviously, we know for his team ownership, his driving, everything else like that. But you know Roger, you know had his company in originally started his facility ownership in 1973 with Michigan Michigan International Speedway in Brooklyn, Michigan, purchasing that track out of bankruptcy. He fast forward you know uh, 23, 24 years. Um, he goes and takes Penske Motorsports public in uh, 1996. Um, and the primary thing is they raised 80 million dollars in their initial public offering. Those proceeds were primarily meant to go through and uh finance the building and construction of california Auto speedway at the time they went public in 1996 um they had several speedways under the ownership and included in that was michigan international speedway it was nazareth speedway and obviously the the building of fontana um, through a bunch of you know transactions and a bunch of other things ultimately You know, Roger did have interest in Grand Prix Association of Long Beach. He had some ownership interest in Dover Motorsports and then ultimately then sold his business uh, to International Speedway Corporation in about 2002 or 2003. Um, That transaction at that time with ISC purchasing amount, I believe in the amount of about 200 and 200 probably $40 million, $280 million, roughly uh, doubled the size of International Speedway Corporation, both in terms of revenue, along with their ownership of tracks. Um, Roger's son, Greg, was actually the president of Penske Motorsports um, for that, did take a seat on the ISC board for a number of years, stepped off probably in 2010. Um, from that so Penske knows this business he knows it from a facility standpoint he he knows a lot of those things so those aspects of it really do make this um, a pretty bankable transaction as far as the amounts I would expect that they would probably be at the low end of what you were talking about mid you know I guess it would be nine figure uh mm-hmm. Several hundred uh, million dollars for that. And the benchmarks you would you would use for that is, um, you know, we have uh, Formula One was purchased by Liberty Media Corporation um, for a total equity deal of, you know, 2.4 billion dollars. And then we've had the um, – that's why this October has been so iconic because we just had uh, International Speedway Corporation and Speedway Motorsports go, go, both go private under their private ownership in the family. With the France family taking um, ISC public, uh, that deal was valued at about $2.1 billion um, they actually brought on and then subsequently uh, merged that in with NASCAR. The France family, primarily Jim and Lisa – borrowed approximately $1.5 billion to buy out the existing shareholders, give them some additional liquidity to go through and do that. And then at the same time, we had uh, Speedway Motorsports and, and the um, Smith family led by Marcus and Bruton and their brothers um, have taken that company public. That was about a $900 million deal where they ended up borrowing about $350 million, uh, in debt to take that public private. So what what's very interesting is, you know, I think everybody in the industry can be assured that the sport is on solid ground. We have families that have, you know, staked their, you know, basically their entire net worth and then some on this industry, yet at the same time they're committed to it and it may not be the same interest as if you had a private equity fund or, you know, some other public company where you're having to look at the, the quarterly results of uh, over the shareholders. So I think this really bodes well for everybody. You can be sure that, you know, Roger has already, you know, he's been there in the Speedway for a couple of days earlier this week. They toured the grounds. He's going to figure out ways to d- utilize the facility because there is a lot of land there. You know, he does have his real estate components, so he could probably go through and create synergies um, with his other things in there. And um, I think the Holman George, one of the other things that was probably included in this deal is we had Indianapolis Motor Speedway as part of their Project 100 initiative three years ago, ended up uh, the state of Indiana floated $100 million in bonds, excuse me, $95 million in bonds for them to bring the facility up to date, meet some ADA requirements and also make some other, uh, enhancements. So as part of the deal, you know, we, we we're having that that debt was probably assumed by Rogers. So That's another you know 95 million that would be added to the total deal value.
3: Talking with Timothy Frost, uh, financial economic financial uh, consultant, uh, especially on the entertainment side and the motorsport side. And uh, a final question for you, uh, Tim, uh, what are we going to see, uh, how, how how do you think Rogers is gonna kind of put his stamp on the Speedway over the next couple of years?
0: You know, I think uh, I would say you're probably gonna go and see it from a programming or schedule standpoint. You know, as he mentioned, the ability to go through and you know possibly hold some type of you know sports car endurance race, whether it be a 12 or you know a 24 hour event. From a facility standpoint, I think the leadership that has been shown. Uh, and the Holman a company led by Mark Miles, along with what Doug Bowles is President of Speedway has done is they have they've been doing everything to the place they have just their bag of tricks and you know the alternative form of programming that they've done there has been outstanding so I think from a facility standpoint, I think that the place itself is pretty well um, you know has done you know a remarkable job in you know adding the dirt track to it renovating the swings for formula one so i think it's going to be from a schedule standpoint something that he could bring in create some activity uh probably not go through and do you know formula one race because they've seen there been there done that and that's got a pretty pretty high cost of uh going through and doing it but i think you know we as race fans and people who love this industry um are really not going to notice too much of a change but we can be sure that the future will be bright uh, under the Penske uh, tutelage at the Speedway.
3: Tim, we certainly uh, appreciate you taking time out uh, and joining us. Of course, uh, you're also the publisher of the National Speedway Directory. How does uh, someone get a copy of that?
0: Yeah, we just released our uh, 39th uh, 2019 uh, edition of National Speedway Directory fans and other people can go and... Order uh, the book at speedwaysonline.com. Also find directions to their uh, tracks uh, for that. And then we will be hosting next month uh, down at the Performance Racing Industry Show, the uh, 8th Annual Racetrack Business Conference that will be host by uh, Mr. Dennis Michelson, who will be appearing on your show a little later today.
3: All right. We certainly appreciate you uh, joining the show and look forward to uh, chatting with you again, Tim.
0: Thank you very much, and everybody, all your listeners,
2: have
3: a great day. All right, that was Tim Frost joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build,
2: renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local, common-sense lending to your, your community since
3: 1935. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Tom Beeler. He's the Senior IndyCar Series Editor with Racing Information Services. Coming up next on The Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the Legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you get out Great Lakes Day as they are open. So uh, you can also check out Great Lakes and see if they're open or not this late in the season on their Facebook page and also at GreatLakesDragway.com. Also like to thank David Hobbs Honda for supporting the show make sure you check out davidhobs.com for all the latest and new and used vehicles joining us on the great midwest bank hotline it is tom beeler senior indycar editor for racing information services tom welcome to the show sir thanks
1: steve a uh, long time listener first time caller
3: <laughs> appreciate it and uh of course uh tom uh our as we called it uh was an organization i was involved with many many years ago and is the oldest uh, online uh, racing information uh, site out there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. In the earliest days when nobody really knew what a computer was like, Mike Hollander, a uh, uh, Californian who uh, founded the group, I remember hearing stories where uh, all these guys, had rooms full of typewriters, and uh, Mike would be hauling his TRS-80 printer, dot matrix printer, all this stuff, modem into a press room, and And uh, all these guys were sitting around watching Mike work at something. One day he got up, uh, some tacked something to the bulletin board, and it was the just-completed qualifying results from one of the Formula One races. And everybody realized, oh, wait a minute, this um, online stuff could be the the shape of things to come. And So, yeah, we kind of weathered the storm. We're still out there.
3: Yeah, but certainly uh, is a great uh, source of information, I remember uh we'll cover an event at at the Milwaukee Mile NASCAR race, and Ernie Irvin was uh, running one of the. It was uh, bushwhacking, as they called it, and was uh-huh. running the race. And I remember I walked up to him, walked up to him, introduced myself and he's like, huh? you had to look at it we Uh, we're, we're on the computer. He said, oh, okay. <laughs> <So that> was, <laughs> was yeah, kinda... we got a lot of that. <laughs> well, it's a lot better now than it was back in 1995, 96. So. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> first
1: time I got credentials, uh, uh, the um, uh, to-be-unnamed uh, individual at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway who was Uh, getting me approved for credentials kind of had to be walked exactly through what it is we did. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, we were in a press room full of guys like Chrissy Konamaki and Tim Tuttle and, and uh, Ron LaMasters and people like that who had been doing it through typewriters forever. So yeah, it's, it, the, the whole, the whole uh, environment has changed over the years. So it's been kind of nice to uh, see everybody else.
3: It certainly has. And speaking of changes, big change this weekend uh, which took a lot of us by surprise with uh, Roger Penske's uh, purchase of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and there's been rumors for for years that the speedway was uh, w- was going to be purchased and uh, you and I both have conversations about okay who's going to buy it this week oh, and, yeah. and and so what what was your reaction when you saw the 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 email that I got uh,
1: i it probably wasn't Significantly surprising. Uh, Tim mentioned it in the previous segment, and that this uh, announcement came a year and a day after Mary George mm-hmm. passed away. And um, w- whether that was a legal reason or just a practical reason, um, as Tony mentioned, he had at uh, the end of the final race last season had approached Roger and uh, had kind of floated the idea. And I suspect it probably is a little bit more of a story than that. But uh, when Cliber Girl was sold in May, uh, I think the writing was on the wall that the family was divesting and, and probably simplifying some things. And so um, it, it wasn't a huge surprise, and it wasn't particularly a huge surprise to whom they chose to sell it either, I think.
3: No. And what, what has been the reaction locally uh, around the Indianapolis area, especially with the media, not only just the, like the motorsports media, but kind of in general, the local uh, radio uh, radio stations and, and, and newscasts. So how, how, how have they been covering it?
1: Oh, everybody was, you know, extremely stoked about what was going to happen. There's much optimism about what uh, Penske and the organization plan to do with all of this. TV and radio has been buzzing, all the sports talk radio, uh, the newspaper, um, and I've been asked a, a lot of times what the situation is like. So anybody who's spent time out there, uh, uh, there's, there's much discussion about what does this mean next. And I think it's great speculation. Roger uh, uh, spent the day after the announcement walking through the track with uh, IMS folks to, uh, to go through what was still remaining from the Project 100 uh, renovations to the facility, um, and other kind of wish list things, what they would like to do, what needs doing. And I think the infrastructure um, is a key concern. When they were originally working on the Project 100 from uh, basically 2009 to the 100th surrounding in 2016, the, um, the premise was renovating grandstands and so forth, and uh, Doug Bowles had told me a story uh, at the time about how after Tony Holman bought the track and Wilbur Shaw was making arrangements to have the facilities upgraded, uh, there was a big um, concern about where to get the post-war steel uh, to build these grandstands. And so sometimes some uh, steel that was used is decaying or had decayed a little bit more quickly than they had anticipated. So much of the renovation that went on to improve the track uh, had to be done to to quickly stem the issues that might have developed in years to come uh, from erosion and rust and so forth. So hmm. I think this is something Penske's going to have to address.
3: Yeah, the, interesting. Um, it, it, it's something that there, there's been a lot of speculation about. Uh, you know, Well, Tony George mentioned it. He goes, you know, I, I, we've kind of taken the speedway as far as we can take it. Right. And I think Tony can, or Roger can take it that next step. And what 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 are some of the things that you you feel that could be done at the Speedway that uh, Penske might be able to do? A lot of
1: speculation insofar as this is a uh, now uh, Penske Entertainment Corporation uh, uh, venue. I think they're going to start looking at other practical uses for the track. You, mm-hmm. you know as well as I do. In the last ten years or so, the uh, the track is. Become more of a concert venue, as much a concert venue in May as it is a racing venue. Um, also, in the last several years, club racing, uh, Porsche Club Racing, or the SBRA, and a number of organizations have done track rentals and kind of increased the profile of activity there beyond the IMS sanctioned events like the Brickyard or the Red Bull air racing or formula one and so on. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, some more exploratory uses of the track, whether IMSA is involved or formula E or whatever. I, I, I think Penske has made it possible for uh, a lot more opportunities to, to arrive.
3: Talking with Tom Bueller of racing information services, uh, senior IndyCar editor and, the switching gears over to the IndyCar series, uh, there's been some speculation. You know, conflict of in, you know, interest. Our, our assistant program manager, Steve Sparky mm-hmm. Pfeiffer, what, kind of brought that up when we chatted a couple days ago. You know how he, he doesn't like he he didn't like that thought of Roger Penske owning the series and having cars in it, even though we've we've had Tony George who had Vision Racing and and now through uh, Ed Carpenter Racing racing in the series. But he what, what what do you think about that, about the the people that bring up the conflict of in- interest uh, issue? Well, it's
1: a legitimate concern, but I think by and large there are enough checks and balances. As Roger said, he's not going to be on the the uh, war wagon anymore. He's, he will be in the offices, and, and so not being a strategist or directly involved with that, uh, I suspect he's going to do what's necessary to avoid any potential conflict of interest, even if ultimately it means moving Penske Racing uh, into Tim Sendrick's hands in another way. But um, the other team owners have legitimate reason to be concerned, but I'm sure that rules enforcement and everything else will be uh, very careful on keeping an eye on making sure things don't appear. I mean, even uh, even though Roger didn't own the series, his, his uh, number of championships in the last several years have pretty much uh, underlined that <laughs> He doesn't seem to have a problem. No, he doesn't.
3: Uh, <laughs> No, he doesn't. Uh, and, and Tom, how, how does one uh, find your work uh, on the Internet? Uh,
1: it's uh, pretty easy to find. Uh, we're just looking at ris com and uh, check us out, principally uh, NASCAR coverage, some IndyCar, a little bit of everything. So uh, come take a look. T-
3: uh, Tom, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and look forward to having you on again. Thanks, Steve. We'll see you in Indy soon. All right. That's Tom Beeler on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate,
2: or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local, common-sense lending to your community since 1935.
3: Coming up next, David Hobbs at the top of the hour on the Final Inspection Show.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.